Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. You also might be listening to this on the Ship Chasing Fantasy Football Podcast, little little feed swap. I'm Davis Maddock, of course, joined by Peter Overzet and Pat Corain. We were, guys, honestly, to be frank, I really just miss podcasting with you. We were we were chatting like every day um, during the off season, and and you know the dra- the drafting is the best, and uh, you know as as ship chasing listeners, especially for last week's waiver show, no. Um, you know, Peter, the in-season grind, it, there's a lot less serotonin being released in-season, I, I would say. Yeah, if you want to know uh, what a come-down feels like, it's uh, shipping uh, a showdown slate GPP and then having to start thinking about waiver bids the next day. I mean, that's, that's emotional whiplash right there. Rain, he, he, got, he got the tout in first sentence. How proud are we, <laughs> how proud are we of, of Pete for getting that in there right away? Yeah, well, I didn't expect any less. Davis, um, I didn't even tell you this one too. I woke up this morning and in one of my uh, offshore sports betting accounts, I was $800 richer because I had placed a Bryson DeChambeau to win the you US too? Open. Yeah. I was, I, same thing. I logged in, I logged in to go bet player props last night and I, there was like way more money in there than I remembered. And I was like, what is this? And it was because I had bet, honestly, for me, a pretty big bet like way long ago on Bryson for all the majors. Yeah. And it was incredible. So beautiful. That's what I did. It was Matt Jones uh, over at Rotoviz is the one who got me on it early on when Bryson was just starting to hit bombs early this year. So yeah, I mean, I just used up my heater of a lifetime in a 12 hour window. Uh, Well, you know, now it just means that like when we win the football guys players championship, it's all gravy. Like it's just at this point, it's gravy, right? It's all gravy. Yeah, I mean, I think the the team we all own together is now looking like our best team in in all of FFPC. So that team is is fresh and it's it's healthy. Uh, the bench is loaded with running backs. Uh, it is it is a nice team. Yeah. So the idea behind this show is first off, I wanted to talk about the injury apocalypse and the content uh, in the in the in the idea of looking at the entire season. Instead of, because when you guys do your Wednesday night show, it's going to be very specifically like, we are going to make this bid on this player for this many dollars. But I, I kind of wanted to first discuss the idea of, is this a result? Is this injury season a result of the lack of training camp and the lack of preseason? And do we need to be more conservative with our bids right now as a result of that? Or do we think this is just a freak thing? What is the right strategic way to do it? And then also I kind of want to look a little bit at our teams. But 
we got a humble brag first. I want to. I want. I do want to read this ship taking team out. So we have we have Dak at quarterback. We have CD instead of Gallup as our stack. We lost Blake Jarwin already to the injured reserve, but it doesn't matter. We have Kamara and Ronald Jones, both of who are uh, standing upright, even if Ronald Jones is on the bench. Although. Before Monday night, I mean, maybe Alvin Kamara is not standing upright. We're recording this yeah, before. Be careful, Davis. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna knock on wood there. This team has uh, Antonio Gibson, who we drafted in the 12th round, uh, and then we have you know just assorted uh, zero RB guys: Brian Hill, Josh Adams, Benny Snell, Miles Gaskin, Zach Moss. I, Crane, our our bid for Gaskin was very low. I think right. Yeah, and Gaskin's looking real nice as a zero RB guy. <clears throat> Yeah, I right thought now. there was a ton of targets. I thought there was a chance that the Dolphins could just be doing funny business and, you know, herky jerky, the running back usage all around. But it's also the seven targets, uh, again, with the six receptions, like Pat said, is, is huge. And then he's giving you 40 yards rushing. I mean, he's only hit his four now, and, and there's still a ceiling there, which is which I'm excited about. He also got a carry inside the 10 yard line where Jordan Howard, it's gotten five to one over the course of two games. But just that he's getting anything there is pretty nice. Yeah. I mean, and I so the thing about Gaskin that I think the reason why the scent was off of him was, you know, to be frank, he got an audition last year and really just did not do anything with it. You know, in week 16 and 17, uh, he played fine, but did not play really well. Obviously, they bring in Howard, they bring in Brita, and we're all, we, I, I mean, I know that I really looked at Brita like the guy who was maybe going to be the fantasy difference maker there because he's so athletic, but I mean, he's, he's really barely been on the field. I, my guess is that people who won Gaskin last week for like 5 to 7% of their budget, like that, I, I suspect that that is going to be a better buy than the people who are about to blow 40% of their budget this week on Dion Lewis, Pete. Yeah, this is going to be kind of, I think this is what we're going to talk about too, and which of these guys are traps, which of these guys are, you know, players that you back up the truck for and I think the thing that's hard about the Deion Lewis and Mike Davis ads is they're not you know they don't profile as guys that we're really excited about like say if we found out Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert were out I mean you dump the truck for Jarek McKinnon like, yeah you go you 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 literally you literally would use 90% of your budget to get McKinnon right and so now the question is which of these guys are going to get mired in a timeshare and which of them are actually going to see like you know, workhorse level role. The thing that stood out to me, did you guys see how many catches Mike Davis had yesterday? He had, yeah. he, he has more targets than CMC. It was wild. So yeah. to me, that is actually pointing in the direction of making Mike Davis a near back the truck up, depending on how dire straits your running back situation is. I think Deion Lewis, um, Gallman, whatever, those guys are feel very trappy to me because they're going to be expensive and Devonta Freeman's working out for the Giants. You could end up just feeling like those and by the way Saquon was not looking like a guy who is especially likely to pay off in in this offense I I I was one of the people that kind of thought Daniel Jones was like kind of Josh Alleny in the sense of he would make a lot of mistakes but also be able to keep things churning and that evaluation does not look correct right now it looks like he's actually going to be more um, Rex Grossman than Josh Allen like he just really does not look very good and Joe Judge and Jason Garrett are um, there. I mean, that could be the worst coaching staff. They could be worse than the New York Jets, to be honest, because they have they have talented players on offense. The Giants do. They have no excuse to not be scoring points. Let's not get carried away, but but they don't look they don't look good. 
Adam Gase is just, he's like the worst coach of the last decade. Yeah. I mean, he's really bad. He's really bad. Now, did you, did you spend any waiver dollars on, on Frank or what, Peter, what do you think the fair price is this week out of a thousand dollars, a thousand waiver dollars for Frank or an FFPC leagues coming off a 21 carry performance? Oh, Pete's muted. Pete's owning himself. I can hear him. Oh, I can't hear him. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can now. Okay, I don't know I just, what. I don't know how that just happened. I was just making a joke about how you should just put your waiver money underneath your mattress and uh, save it for someone else other than Frank Gore. Um, I. You know, I, we own Frank Gore in a couple of teams, right? I know, and I was like, how did that happen? <laughs> it's happened because I put in like you know, 1% bids <laughs> as contingencies and we didn't win anyone else. I, I mean, I guess a $1 Frank Gore bid is better than a uh, $20 Josh Adams bid, which I made, well, in a, in a co-managed situation, we made a $21 bid on Josh Adams as a Logan Thomas contingency bid after week one. And I'm pretty sure Josh Adams is like a Jets practice squad player. So maybe not the best waiver dollars that I've ever spent. Not looking great there. And they, they also have uh, Michael Pirine, their rookie. They, they acquired Kalen Balaj. I mean, this, this is a true mess. So do we think, one, what week do we think that Gase gets fired in? And then two, after Gase is fired, do we actually think any of these running backs becomes – rosterable like do we think that there is a role where like Michael Pirine or Kalen Balaj or whoever is catching enough passes because I think the the early down work in New York where I mean it could be it could be LaDainian Tomlinson and I think it would be worthless but you know if a guy is getting passing down work maybe we're interested in that yeah so I'm just looking at their schedule they could absolutely get beat down by the Chiefs in week seven or week eight uh, so that might be a potential firing. That's November 1st. I don't know. I mean, who would take over as the coach? Because there's just no one here. You got Darnold quarterbacking. There's no receivers. It's, it's hard to see a lot of value in this backfield. I mean, it would just be, it would be that Darnold finds a way to check down to him six times a game. That would really be the only way. Right, but I mean, what, even that in itself doesn't have that much value. What uh, you draft, uh, knit thought leaders. Who has the profile to catch passes in in this offense in this backfield? Um, so Lamichael Pirine. Let me let me look it up. I remember maybe him catching a couple passes. Yeah, he well, he caught forty passes his final season at Florida. Lamichael Pirine did. So that is that's a lot of receptions for a college running back. Because that's what I mean, we're looking at here, right? I mean, no one's getting excited about the empty calorie Frank Gore early down carries. It's not like they're going to be in position to score a lot. It's not like they're going to have positive game scripts. We want the pass catching back, the you know, the Bilal Powell of, of yesteryear in this offense who can get there on five to six catches. But keep in mind, yeah, Le'Veon I mean, Bell's going to come back. Not mm, if I have any. I can, I can, yeah, I can see, I can see Le'Veon Bell looking at this situation and just going, you know what? You know what, guys? My hamstrings—they're—they—they they don't feel very good. Like I can real like that's got to be a, a very real thing, right? I don't know. I don't know if you can ride out a week one hamstring injury for the rest of the year if you're Le'Veon Bell. He's got to be. I back think at you some can. Point. I think he can just be like, right. guys, mentally, <laughs> mentally, I'm not there. I'm not there yet. I don't trust it. 
Yeah, he needs a new contract from someone, so. Uh, Pirine, not much of an athlete, but his best comp on player profiler is TJ Yeldon, who has been a pass-catching running back in the NFL for a long time, so maybe. maybe like, and Yeldon actually did sustain some fantasy value on those terrible, terrible Bortles-Jaguars teams when Leonard Fournette would get injured, so maybe. Here's we'll how talk I, about another team. Yeah, I can't even. I was about to list off. Too much Jets talk. I was about to list off Adam's snap counts from week one because Huffle <laughs> Outsiders no, hasn't no. listed the second week yet. Um, okay, Corrine, give me your give me give me your Rojo Shady Fournette oh, breakdown. God. Yeah, that was rough. I I've been doing. Uh, last week I did stat chasing. I did like my my run through of all the. Uh, the teams in the you're looking at yards per route run and looking at Whopper and all those good stats. Um, and I've been prepping that today to do it uh, a little bit later. I haven't gotten to Tampa Bay yet. Um, Did you move that manually adjust that to the last game? <laughs> you were do well, I, I do go alphabetically, so it sort of happens naturally. But uh, but yeah, I, I certainly wasn't uh, excited to get to that part of the the uh, the day for me. But yeah. I mean, what a disaster! You have Ronald Jones with the touchdown. Um, you got—you should have seen me at that point. I was—I so was feeling so good. Yeah, they had that, that stiff arm, looked great. And then I knew things were starting to get shaky because Fournette got the next series after the touchdown, so that was bad, right? He hadn't even locked it up after that he scored, and then he has this fumble miscommunication thing, and at that point, it just started to look real, real rough. So, I mean. The thing that I think sucks most about this backfield is LaShawn McCoy. He got 29 routes uh, over the last two weeks in this, just this in- last including game. A dropped touchdown. Including like, a, a dropped like it, touchdown. It, it, was, it was in his hands. That is, um, that is a, that's a mistake veteran players are not supposed to make. Yeah, and he had seven targets in this game on nine routes. So it's like he's there for all the dump-off stuff where you're probably throwing to the running back, but it's, it's LaShawn McCoy. It's like the worst, the worst thing about this backfield is that he he's continued to be involved. I, I feel like if you're really hyped about Fournette, that's the thing that's absolutely sucks because McCoy is just going to, you know, create this split backfield. And no, take he's away just going to, he's just going to score 40 yard touchdowns every week. And I think that that's, you're just being a hater, Pat. I think no, that you I'm, just need I'm to, sorry, I think yeah. you just need to recognize that, um, Leonard Fournette is going to just churn his way to 40-yard touchdowns every week? Well, that might be true because one of the things that Arian said was he was really happy that Fournette had such fresh legs. So maybe they'll just keep oh, uh, splitting like the backfield like, up and then and let, let him run for 40 yards well, at the very end of the game. And that I think this is what your takeaway because, again, I think we all have to agree the Panthers' defense is atrociously bad. And they they are the funnel, like not a run funnel, not a pass funnel. They are simply a funnel. <laughs> they are the the flow chart ends and begins with the Panthers. So to me, this whole thing is it's more worse for Ronald Jones than it is positive for Leonard Fournette. And yeah. yes, it, this is shaping up to be the same gross committee that it was last year with Dare and Barber. And again, Ronald Jones slowly over the course of the season earned more work because he was the most talented back. I think that's going to happen again. It's just now we're back to square one and it's going to take multiple weeks for this to play out. But have fun watching Leonard Fournette ram himself into the Broncos uh, offensive line or defensive line next week on the road. 
So this is why it's a disaster in the short term. Arian said, because this is what Arians has to say, he said that the fumble that occurred when Brady literally just dropped it, this, this, this fumble that was between Brady and Ronald Jones was clearly not on Ronald Jones. Producer, and- roll the clip. <laughs> <laughs> and Arians, Arians says this morning that in his mind, it was Ronald Jones's fault. Yeah, which that was is- clear from the usage that followed the fumble. The, the yeah, I mean, I don't, think he played the stats- a, I, I don't think he played a snap after that. No, he did. He, he played quite a few snaps after that. But well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. That is watched every snap. I trust no, you. Yeah. Tru- yeah, trust me. He he had <laughs> he had snaps and carries, but it was clear that like he had moved to the rotational back, and Fournette was getting the starters treatment after that fumble. They they flipped roles after that fumble. Well, not uh, you know not super. Not super okay. As a as a sort of a kidnapped Ronald Jones owner in many leagues, Pete, can you maybe give us a more rational take than than Pat and I are giving? Pretty rational. (laughs) I just gave you my rational take. I mean, as far as again, we are now in this injury apocalypse. So like, you're gonna be starting both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette in a lot of leagues. Like, you're just not gonna have better options. So I think that's gonna be an interesting thing uh, to monitor, but. Yeah, Shady really throws uh, a wrench in this. And, and maybe you do have better options. Maybe uh, a lower ceiling pass catching back ends up being a more attractive start than Ronald Jones in leagues in the near term. So I think the level-headed take is that Ronald Jones is still the most talented guy in this backfield, but we're just back to square one. And it's going to take multiple weeks for this to reshake out again. Yeah, I don't think Ronald Jones is going to be very startable in the near future. Um, yeah. Because I do think that you'll see – and I'm just pulling up their schedule. I mean, in some ways, while this was absolutely heartbreaking to see Jones flop against the Panthers, um, losing the the starting job this week so that Fournette now auditions against the Broncos is maybe like not the worst case. Because, I love this spin zone right here. I this mean, is <laughs> I mean, this is good. This is good stuff. This is good stuff, Pat. Bargaining well, face. Yeah. yeah, yeah, bargaining face. I mean. You know, Jones, but I'm actually saying, like, Jones is not startable against the Broncos defense where he's probably going to get, like, 30% of the snaps. So this is, like, take the week off. This is coming from the number one Rojo truther in all of the world. Take this week off. Don't start Rojo. Where are your fellow Rojo brothers in arms these days? You know, Friedman and No, it's just you and I, Pat. Uh, Gretch Gretch is out there, yeah. Gretch – He's not as vocal, I guess. Although we'll have to see what he what he has to say in uh, stealing signals this week. But he did he did respond to an email on one of the teams saying, "Hold me, Pat." So I think he's feeling it pretty hard right now. Uh, Friedman moved on. He's too sharp. He's he's only here for like six months anyway. So now he's off to bigger and better things. He was just trying to get a little of that Pat Corain social media buzz there, <laughs> yeah. just just tailing it. Exactly. So I, I have an interesting question for you guys. Who are you feeling FOMO on right now in these high stakes leagues that you wish that you would have made a priority or that you would have come to the light earlier relative to, to where we are now? I think, I mean, the, the obvious one is Josh Jacobs for me. Now, again, we have not seen him play on Monday night, Pete. So if, for example, if Josh Jacobs, the Raiders 
lose by two touchdowns to this uh, very talented New Orleans Saints team, and he catches seven, like, Leonard Fournette dump-off passes and grinds out, like, 19 FFPC points, are, like, are we just, are we just officially holding the L? Yeah, I, I will. T- I'll take a Josh Jacobs L after tonight if something like that unfolds. I do still think it's very well in the range of outcomes, though, that this goes the way of Derrick Henry right? Where it's just like, everyone's oh, man. Saying, oh no, he has to catch passes. I mean, no, who else? Like it, it's Darrington Evans, just involve him in the screen game. And then it doesn't happen. So uh, we've seen this play out in both directions. Joe Mixon, again, the other night, um, very little pass game involvement with Gio Bernard there too. So yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm curious about tonight. I think it's kind of the, the main data point we need before we know how big of an L we have to hold on Josh Jacobs. Yeah, I think we're more likely to be taking the L here than with like a Derrick Henry situation because, uh, and Davis, you talked about this on your waiver wire show. Um, Jacob's profiled as a pass catcher. Yeah. You know, Derrick Henry didn't. And so it's really just about usage. And the Raiders used him correctly last week. I kind of hope they keep using him correctly. Like, I, like even though I don't have a lot of Jacobs, I have a little bit of him in best ball and really nowhere else. Um, I'd still like to see like a good player get used right. So I don't, I don't really mind taking the L on this one. Um, Cause I wasn't exactly doubting Jacobs as a player. It's, it's just that the usage was so weird and they did seem to be sending signals, um, you know, with the drafting of Bowden and such that they did not plan but to. They were to doing that, but like Gruden is so schizophrenic that like at the same time he was saying he was so mad that Jacobs didn't win rookie of the year that he was like gonna force feed him sixty catches. Like he just like it's like it's like you never know what Gruden's actually up to. Yeah. Could you imagine like not wanting to to trust that guy? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> like like I I don't hate myself for being like, I don't want to trust John Gruden to do the right thing. But it looks like through one game he is and maybe he will through two. Um I think one guy we're gonna be I, I think maybe the guy who's gonna be upsetting that we don't have enough of could be Ezekiel Elliott with McCaffrey going down. I mean, he looks like, the, he down. looks like the number one player in fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. And like I did a, a high, one of the high stakes DraftKings best balls with Mike Leone and awesome. took Elliott two and we're sitting there, you know, like doing backflips because we got Saquon. <laughs> so we don't feel that good about that anymore. We didn't obviously have the chance to take Zeke, but like there was a situations where, I mean, I was never taking Zeke at two in any of the best ball drafts I had. Um, I would go ahead and take him at three, but I don't have any of them high stakes. I don't think Davis, you don't have a lot of them. So. Um, yeah. I mean, we took Barkley in the KSFFC, the, the, the mm-hmm. Kentucky main event. And then in all three of my other main events we picked in the back half. So one draft we took Kelsey, one draft we took Henry, and one draft we took uh, – I can't remember if we took Kittle or Mixon first, but we have Kittle and Mixon as our first two picks. So I, I don't have any of the elite running backs, but also luckily uh, don't have Michael Thomas on any of those teams either. Who I, I actually randomly happened to be trying to figure out if Benny Fowler was on the practice squad or the Saints – actual roster for showdown purposes tonight i didn't actually see this publicized mike thomas is on the short-term ir so he can't play for the next three games i did i did have not seen a blurb or anything on that but that seems pretty significant to me you're not you're not grinding hard enough man we we knew his timeline was three to four weeks us true grinders knew that come on Uh, preview preview pete 
I will say the, yeah, as far as guys we have FOMO on, I, I don't even have FOMO on Josh Jacobs because he was never going to be in a range where I was going to be drafting a running back regardless of the profile. So I don't really feel bad about that. And Pat and I didn't really have access to Zeke in many of our drafts. And, and I still think, you know, Dalvin Cook and Kamara are going to be solid picks in that range. I'm going to do a non-recency bias FOMO that I have of a guy I should have realistically been targeting more, and that's Naheem Hines. And I think everyone yeah. is going to freak out after this game, but they controlled that entire game against the Vikings. So obviously Jonathan Taylor was going to have his day, but this team is going to be in so many bad game scripts throughout the season. They're just not that good. And I think Naheem Hines is going to have plenty of those eight to 10 catch days on the horizon. And he was someone I should have been drafting more of in the 13th, 14th round. Uh, so yeah, I, I would, I wish I had more Naheem Hines shares. Uh, speaking of Sean Siegel, literally as we are sitting here, he just sent me the most Godfather dynasty league trade offer of all time. <laughs> literally as we're sitting here, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this to you guys just as a little freebie content for the folks. Okay. Well, whatever, whatever you're saying, he's getting the better of it, but yeah. oh, for sure. <laughs> so I have, this is a developmental league so we have like the top college players as oh, well God. in our league my head so, already hurts so i have cd lamb and i have travis Etienne, who is like the number like just he would be jonathan taylor or whatever like the number one running back prospect for this upcoming draft he plays for clemson and sean just offered me saquon barkley for the two of them on a team that is, I, I'm I'm very non-competitive this year, so it would make it wouldn't matter to me either way if he was startable or not. I'm gonna decline because I'm never trading CD Lamb, but that was the trade offer. CD Lamb looks like he's gonna be a superstar. What a and, and that's a that's a tough trade for him to pull off after the injury. Obviously, I, I'm sure there's other people he could get if Barkley was healthy in sending that trade. I'm sure some people would be like, all right, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, I mean that's I think one of my biggest reactions is that I I seem I I actually think that being high on Michael Gallup, I don't think it was a mistake. It's just not gonna end up working out because Lamb is better than him. And that's a problem. You wanna know who was lower on Gallup than the entire industry? <laughs> Sean. Peter Overzet? No. Re revert C top? No, Sean. Let's let's not get too carried away on Gallup though, because I think what we're seeing is a little bit due to variance. His A dot through two weeks is seventeen point nine. He had a twenty point six A dot last last don't week. Li don't listen to the Gilcast if you don't want to uh, overreact to Michael Gallup. <laughs> Davis said he's done. <laughs> I didn't say he's done. I just I I he is number three to me. Oh yeah, I agree with that for sure. His, I mean, if you look at Whopper, he's right there with Lamb. It's just that he's seeing targets so deep downfield. Oh, my so God. Did we, invite Nate, did we invite Nate Noling on the show? Watch the games, bro. He got cucked. Yeah. I don't, right, I don't think that's true. I don't think – well, also another thing is I actually feel like it was a bad mistake on my part to not be in on Dalton Schultz because mm -hmm. I didn't make aggressive bids on him anywhere. But it's not like I thought that Blake Jarwin was some, like, special athlete. Like, he was a guy who'd been on the back end of the Cowboys roster for three seasons. He had one good game against the Giants. What, I don't know why I thought that Blake Jarwin would be that much different Come than on, Dalton Schultz. I, I, I drunkenly came to this conclusion after our ship-taking draft. I, I, that's exactly what I said that night. Remember my drunken review? Yeah. 
So thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you, Pat. Uh, I, I think, I mean, Schultz was like a career blocker. I also don't want to get too carried away on Schultz. I mean, you've got this, uh, he was awesome in, uh, in week two, but I, that was a weird game in a lot of ways. Um, we have him luckily on a team that we have with Sean Siegel actually. Um, Oh, Sean, good at smart enough Sean's to uh, make the enough to pick him up. Like, yeah. Who the hell? Hang on, Pat. You had a rough day yesterday because your comp for Mike Gusecki was Dalton Schultz. Both oh, of them man. just completely <laughs> pop off. <laughs> Mike, I, mean, Mike I mean, hey, I, I, I said Dalton Schultz is this year's Mike Gusecki, and then they both blew up. So, you know, I must be. <laughs> so it was smart. a compliment when you <laughs> yeah, said that. Yeah, it was a compliment now. And okay. we have Dalton Schultz, and he blew up. And, and so I'm good. I, I, would, I would like for you to apologize <laughs> to Mike Gusecki. I'm, I may owe Mike Kosicki quite an apology. I'm, I'm still holding out on the apology. He's going to need a couple more weeks. But, Who, but here's what I'll say. He's got an 8 out of 10.2. He had a really nice game efficiency-wise. He's being used in a way where if I'm wrong and Mike Kosicki's actually really good, then he actually does have quite a bit of upside. And he was targeted on a super high percentage of his routes. I, I still think week, he's so. not going to be efficient like – you know, like some of the Mark Andrews, like I, I yeah. Hawkinson, even, I think he is a tier below those guys. I think the difference is, well, first off, I think you can blame part of the efficiency on like, he just like, we love the dolphins fins up. They're, they're just really not a very good team. Like they are, they try really hard and they're well coached and they're disciplined, but there just is not a ton of offensive talent on that roster, like as a whole. And so they're just, they're not going to gain that many yards per play overall so I'm not I'm not going to hold that against him one of my one of my big reactionary takes after two weeks though is Noah Fant looks like the next great tight end looks like he is the next you know Mark Andrews Zacherts tier of guy where we're going to be taking him in the top five rounds for the next you know five six years yeah I'm getting excited about him too let me just say on Gasicki because my whole take with Gasicki was I was looking for like elite tight ends and guys who were having these elite seasons and he was a guy I think that had a decent floor, but just I'm not that concerned was gonna entering the season was not concerned that he was gonna burn me with an elite ceiling. And that's where I'm saying let's wait a couple more weeks to see if he's got that in him. But certainly um doesn't look like he's gonna bust or anything. The problem with Fant is that sort of what his problem was what Kasiki had last year where he's still not getting targeted on, on a high rate of his routes, but his efficiency is just amazing. And he looks like he passes like a hundred percent of eye tests. He's one of the most athletic guys out there. So I really would like to see him be a bigger part of the offense, but obviously with Cortland Sutton now missing a year, he'd almost have to fall flat on his face, not, or just have horrific offensive design. He'd have to, to he'd have to catch like 45% of his targets to bust from this point on. Yeah. I think that's probably right. And a a chance. Go ahead. Do we not have court? Do we have Noah Fant in any of our FFPC leagues, Pat? No, I don't think so. I uh, I have – so I this is another thing I want to do is I wanted to look at, at some of our teams. And what the, the team that I have with um, Silva, Thorman, and Reeves, uh, I think we are, we are getting incredibly lucky thus far because we haven't been hit by any of those injuries. Uh, but on this team, we have <laughs> – Who do you have? How- are there yeah. 20 players in the league? Who no, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Our starting lineup is Russ, Derek Henry, Austin Eckler, DK Metcalf, Odell, Gallup, Mike Evans. So we didn't get to play him week one. 
uh, and then and then Noah Fant is our starting tight end. Our That's bench sick. is Jarek McKinnon, Duke Johnson, who is hurt. Daryl Daryl Williams. We did the the guy behind the guy. Jordan Wilkins one dollar bid. We drafted Benny Snell. And our reserve wide receivers are Visca and Reger. We spent one dollar on Traquan, but this is the guy who I feel big FOMO. I should have drafted him on every main event team. I should have drafted. We should have been on him early on our football guys teams. Logan Thomas leads the NFL tight ends in target share. No tight end is gained a higher share of his team's targets than Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas is a sick athlete. He didn't start playing the position until he got to the NFL. So the fact that he is, uh, what is a fifth year breakout uh, in the NFL, not really concerning to me because he was never a pass catcher. In fact, he was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals as a quarterback. They tried to play him there. So I, I completely buy the Logan Thomas breakout, Pat, I'm, I'm 100% in. Yeah, I, I'm in too. Um, I actually don't – I don't really care if tight ends break out late. Like, I have a lot of Higby in best ball and stuff, and that was part of it. I, just, I, I didn't really buy that that was, like, a major concern because just looking at the guys who have elite seasons in the past, that you see that all the time. You see guys kind of coming out of nowhere – in their like fourth, fifth year um, and delivering elite production. So I, I wouldn't hold that against him if you're still having trouble buying it as real. Um, he had another really strong game from a targets per route run perspective, got targeted on uh, 25% of his routes. So, I mean, you are on a bad offense, but there is really no target competition of no after Terry McLaurin here and none i mean none dude steven sims like i'm glad you had four good weeks it was very fun for you logan thomas has cucked you yeah i mean he's got more targets than mclaren right now and on less routes so like that was the number one thing that jumped out when i did this tight end research in the offseason is that you want these guys who were targeted on a really high percentage of the routes he's doing that and i think um he needs to show better efficiency on his yards per target, but that bounces all over the place week to week. It's not sticky year to year. So I think given that there's not really any competition that's going to come over and, and take this role from him and really, you know, be better at earning targets than Logan Thomas, we can proceed with him as one of the, the big breakouts at tight end this year, I think. Pete, Logan yeah. Thomas reacts. Yeah, he feels like this year's Darren Waller. Darren Waller. Yeah, they're going to have a ton of negative game scripts. He's going to be the number two there pretty easily. Uh, this offense could get fun. It was great to see Antonio Gibson's role expand so quickly. I thought that might have been a little bit more of a slow burn. Uh, if Haskins can just get a little bit better, uh, all three of those guys Boy, could have He is bad. <laughs> I think, I think the Washington football team is going to be in the market for a corner a quarterback sooner rather than later. What I really like about this team, though, is that they're not trying to hide him. They're willing to push the pace. They're Just willing to try mistakes. to score points. Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, if you're going to have a bad quarterback, at least he gets a lot of attempts in. Another guy, I mean, I all of us were in on this guy is Diggs. It's, it's looking like Diggs is going to be – like, you know, when uh, we go back and we look at the best ball win rate stuff, it's I, and granted, it's been, you know, the two easiest matchups that the Bills will have, but they get to play each of those times again. And, I mean, Diggs, Diggs is looking like the Minnesota plus version of himself. We're like, dude, they I, – I mean, this is – Crane, you and I talked about this 
on our off-season shows, but they pigeonholed Diggs in Minnesota, and they would not they would not throw to him short or deep. It's like you had to do one or the other. And now in Buffalo, they're just like, dude, go get open, and Josh Allen is going to throw you the ball. Yeah, it's really exciting. Like, and just like a reminder that, um, and this goes to a lot of the stuff I've been looking at this year, but like getting a target, getting open is a skill. And like, if you add a guy who's really good at that, which Diggs was awesome at that in Minnesota, he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. Like it makes sense that, you know, Allen is now throwing for way more yards than he used to throw for. And Josh, John Brown is like still productive. He's still startable. So it's, you know, I think we need to just remember that at wide receiver talent really does matter. That goes to a lot of our dynasty philosophy, like a lot of the prospect evaluation, the whole, a lot of the reason behind like the zero running back strategy. It's like these guys, their talent will shine through. It will make a difference on their offenses. Whereas, you know, running back, it often is just about the opportunity, not a hundred percent of it all the time, but it's just, you know, to a much larger degree, the talent can shine through. And you're seeing that with Diggs. He's taken this offense to a new level and he's already absolutely crushing it, uh, this. He had a 5.28 yards per route run uh, this week, <laughs> which is that, I mean, that like breaks. In, I Seems good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Peter, do you have, do you have any, um, you know, captain hindsight takes in the sense of like this structural thing we're doing looked good at the time, like felt good while we were drafting it and is going very well. Now I I'm thinking like, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, you know, being in again on the air raid. Though Christian Kirk, uh, it seems as if we are going to be chasing the dragon with Christian Kirk all year again. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does feel like we're in for a repeat uh, with Christian Kirk, especially with Kyler rushing more too. That just naturally means there's going to be less pass yeah. attempts if he's taking off scrambling so much. Um, you know, to me, this is uh, like, obviously I'm just so bored with making like every single week a referendum on uh, a draft strategy, but we are really going to- I, I'm not bored of it yet. Maybe <laughs> by like week five, I'll be bored of it. <laughs> uh, I'm bored of it. But what we said, we were battling with people this off season of like, yes, people are going to get injured and get COVID from all positional groups. No one is, is spared from this. However- we can look, we are now going to have a chance to see this experiment of, okay, uh, who are you more excited about, like getting to play Mike Davis next week or, or getting KJ Hamler. Smith or KJ Hamler. And it's like, we are finally going to get to see this play out in both ways. And uh, I think it will be uh, in the large sample of the season. It will actually be interesting to see how it, how it works. Yeah, yeah. it will be. The thing, uh, the thing about Kirk, I really do think we're going to be chasing him all year because, like that point I made about Gallup, is even more true for Kirk. His a dot is twenty. <laughs> that he's being targeted on average twenty yards downfield, and everyone else on that offense is being targeted. Like DeAndre Hopkins is at five point six, uh, Larry Fitzgerald is at three point three they're getting targeted like running backs and then Kirk's just doing these clear out routes. So I don't know. I mean, we saw with Curtis Samuel last year, you can just do that all year and get a bunch of empty calorie air yards and never really produce anything. But um, theoretically, if he connects on a couple of these long bombs in one game, you know, he could have pretty big spike weeks. So like his whopper's not too bad. 0.42. Um He's getting a 33% share of the air yards. Like it could happen for Kirk. I feel like I'm just going to end up losing a bunch of money on Kirk. 
I mean, from a DFS perspective, yeah. you know, it ends up being pretty easy in that you just play him when he's in a good matchup and is low-owned, and, and you fade him when he's chalky. But from a season-long perspective, I mean, we are. We have these teams where we have Sutton and, and these guys who are banged up where we are going to have to spot start Christian Kirk, although we'll actually have a lot of decisions where it's like Kirk versus our upstart rookies, like on our main event. Team. I mean, Visca, dude, like – I, I don't how much victory lap – like, Visca already looks like – he looks better. I, I did not imagine him playing this much this often, this early. I, this was beyond what I had expected. It's absolutely wild, too, because you see him take those carries. And I saw some oh people God, now that uh, we've endeared <laughs> ourselves to uh, the Jacksonville uh, Jaguars blog community. Yeah, I heard them saying, like, this is what we wanted Demarcus Robinson to be. And it's like, well, that's fine as a running back. But it's like, imagine if A.J. Brown was also what you wanted Demarcus Robinson to be. Because yeah. that's what LaVisca is. I mean, it is crazy. He had five carries and he had four targets. So he's more involved on the ground. Than in the receiving game. I would like to see him it, more. It, it turns out the four net getting cut thing actually was bullish for him, which is something we kind of joked about, but it's I, real. I wasn't joking. I, thought, yeah, I, I, I think... mean, I, I, I meant it, but I said it in a joking way so I couldn't be mocked for it later. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we know, I'm, I'm willing to open myself up to, to mocking. What's so in, I agree that we want, we ultimately want to see this volume increase so we can just feel really good about plugging him in every week but to be a rookie and to be this involved in this many different ways you know back-to-back games with four targets getting those rush attempts I mean he his floor now in PPR has been a 13.7 game and a 10.2 and that is literally scratching the surface of what he can do this year so we've had to wait for these rookie breakouts I mean we keep referencing AJ Brown that took a long time to materialize it looks like Chenault's going to get there a lot faster than A.J. Brown. Yeah, and long-term, we've already seen that D.J. Chark does not have a good target moat within this offense because he's already getting surpassed by Keelan Cole right now. Yeah, Shark, um, Shark looking like – I mean, he'll probably score enough touchdowns to be good. at. Like, I bet he'll score nine touchdowns just because he's D.J. Shark in yeah. best ball. But he's looking like a guy who's going to have some, like, two for 20 weeks in your seasonal leagues, which, you know, not great. Absolutely. I mean, and he has less, tar- he has less of a target share than Chenault right now. And yeah. Chenault runs a lot less routes. So it's kind of crazy the way, how, how spread out this offense has been. Um, but the idea that Chenault can't eventually be the number one guy in this offense because Shark is there, certainly that, that's a lot less compelling given that Shark's having trouble establishing himself as the number one right now. Yeah. I mean, the, the other problem too is just, Keelan Cole is going to be kind of like this year's version of Chris Conley in this offense where he just kind of doesn't go away, which, you know, it is what it is. They were always going to have a third wide receiver. Davis, what is your thoughts on D.D. Westbrook continuing to be inactive? I mean, he just is not like, I think Westbrook was a guy who had like the physical tools to be like a really good, um, you know, kind of like a 110 targets a year you give him some of the bubble screen stuff, and then you give him some of the downfield stuff. It, it seems like he just rubs coaches the wrong way. Like, it, it just seems like they just do not like him, and he's always nicked up. I mean, D.D. Westbrook was on the injury report, like, all year last year. So, yeah. I mean, Westbrook was a guy I liked, but uh, I, I can feel free to move on from that now. No need, no need to, hold, to hold that L any longer. What can you do? 
you know, there's some of those guys. Uh, I, I am, though, excited about the emergence of Marquez Valdez Scantling and the semi-resurgence of Aaron Rodgers. MVS is going to be a guy that, like, I mean, I feel like I'll probably start him a couple times in these leagues this year. Like, he, he is getting targets way down the field, Pat. Yeah, he looks great. Um, the role is really nice for him. He's the wide receiver, too, in this offense. I think that's pretty clear. Um, the tight end situation there is pretty gross. You're not really seeing too much get siphoned yeah. away by the tight ends. Um, it's pretty condensed, which is nice. I mean, if you're going to have this alpha like Devontae Adams there, you – can't really deal with losing a bunch of targets to tight ends. But I mean, because we have that, uh, MBS has a, a whopper of 0.5 through two weeks. So, you know, the target share is okay. 18%, but it's, he's getting 32% of the air yards, uh, right there with Adams who has 28% through two weeks. So that's the, uh, the key thing here, eight out of 16.5, I guess, you know, again, he's like the deep threat guy in this offense, but he's actually converting his air yards uh, he has 160 receiving yards on 214 air yards. So um, he's actually turning it what's, into production. Uh, what's your review of Rager after two weeks, guys? Where, like, do we, are we, like, Rager versus Lamb? Um, like, for example, I think that was a decision that was made by a lot of, in, in these high-stakes leagues, they went very close together. You know, it's looking like Rager, or it's looking like Lamb is, is quite far ahead in that department right now. But what are, what's your early return on, on Rager, Pete? I'll go, no, I'll go to Pat. I mean, Rager is his guy, so I'll let him do this one. Yeah, I mean, through two weeks, you'd have to say Lamb does have the advantage because um, he just looks really – he looks really good on his routes run. Um, he is in an offense that we want pieces of. I think, you know, the Eagles offense has been a big disappointment, um, and Wentz is looking terrible. So that's a concern. Um, that said – I do think that Rager probably has a little bit of a bigger ceiling in terms of like, if we're just looking at a guy that we end up being really glad we're starting during the fantasy playoffs. It's fine. I, I, yeah. yeah. I still think Rager's probably more likely to be that guy than lamb because you can just see over the course of the season, the targets consolidating to him, especially at the wide receiver position. Um, if anything, if Jackson pulls his hamstring or something, he could just end up getting a huge target share and, he does. He's he's been pretty good so far, so we could see like a late season breakout from him in a way that I think is a bit harder for Lamb, just given how many targets there are. And now with with Dalton Schultz emerging as as a guy they can go to, it's like how is he ever going to have Schultz, a, man? Yeah, it, it's just hard to see him having like a really kind of league winning target share for this year. But man, Lamb, Lamb is looking awesome long term for sure. And the thing I think about Rager is that's a little bit of a bummer as part of the thesis was how much immediate opportunity we thought he could step into. Um, right. That said in a macro sense, we also have to be a little patient with these rookies and not all of them are CD lamb going to play with Dak Prescott. Not all of them are these Swiss army knife, you know, utility guys like LaVisca Chenault. So I, I do still hold out hope for Rager. And that's the great thing about when Rager is your wide receiver six or wide receiver seven is like, you don't have to start him. Like Pat and I on our best main event team, we have three of those rookies. We have Visca, Rager, and Ayuk all chilling, and we're going to need them now with Sutton hurt. Uh, and I think all of those guys at, at various points throughout the season are going to be very usable. You're also yeah. seeing Rager's routes trend up. Um, so yeah, week over week. That's, that yeah. is good. Yeah. Um, one guy who I know that 
well, I did not draft this guy at all, but I, T. Higgins is a starting wide receiver for the Bengals now. They, they benched John Ross one week in and made Auden Tate inactive. And, you know, I know we all, like, love to be like, you know, we like Chenault more than, you know, X, Y, or Z, but, like, T. Higgins went with the first pick of the second round. Like, that's very high draft capital, historically speaking, for a wide receiver. I don't really like his physical profile that much, but also to me, like, Burrow looks better – like. Burrow looks way better than the average rookie quarterback. And, and so I think – also I think Higgins is going to get lost in waivers this week. Like waivers are so insane this week. There's so many injuries. Like you are going to be able to slide T. Higgins through for $1 in some of your leagues. Drew Sample too, by the way, in FFPC leagues. And the, I, I want to I close with this. Looking like kind of a tough – rollout for the elite tight ends at least in the sense of George Kittle and Zach Ertz. Ertz just seems like his Ertz's efficiency was already bad and it's cratering. He's averaging 4.2 yards per target right now. Dallas Goddard is out targeting him and I am of the opinion that this Kittle knee injury is worse than they're letting on that it's like it's like a real like he could be out four to six weeks instead of the two to three that they quoted. And uh, I just – I don't know. That that certainly, Pete, that sucks for our strategy, though Mark Andrews looks great. Yeah, the, the Kittle one is tough. I mean, just obviously we can't predict injury, so I'm, I would be a little more concerned about the Ertz pick uh, than the Kittle one. But there is the, the silver lining, and Pat and I have talked about this throughout the offseason. Like, there are ways to play tight end on the waiver, even in tight end premium for, league. I mean, Jordan Reed, dude. Jordan Reed, Dalton yeah. Mo Alley Cox. <laughs> yeah, there were lots of good fill-ins. And obviously, they're not going to have the consistency in the floor of those top guys. But you would much rather uh, have one of those guys go out than your, your top wide receiver. You know, I'm, I'm much more feeling the Sutton hit than I am Kittle in, in those leagues. It, and maybe that's naive and that's how I'm spinning it. I mean, right? I'm, I'm feeling the Sutton hit because he is my second most drafted player across all the best ball platforms. I think that's he why, my we're number all, one, yeah. why we're all tied, collectively tied depressed today is because like I still haven't fully – the way my brain now processes this stuff is I just like – quickly move on from stuff I don't want to think about and I just like do not want to think about Sutton and <laughs> okay yeah. then we'll, we'll we'll close with this give us your because I Pat you were like a guy who was like draft KJ Hamler in the third round of your dynasty leagues so give us the the KJ Hamler spiel what we're expecting over the next couple weeks he actually had seven targets in that game with Driscoll so and and he by the way was a candidate for the short term IR. I don't know why they didn't end up making that decision. Probably because Sutton was banged up actually. So what uh just why, why don't we give our our KJ Hamler spiel here? Well, yeah, KJ Hamler was an awesome prospect. He had everything we were looking for. He's a he's a redshirt sophomore, comes out early. Um we don't know for sure uh his speed, but he looks like credibly fast based on what he did at Penn State. Um He's small. That's the only thing that's, that's bad about him. I mean, he's a second round pick. Um, very, very productive, but he's, he's smaller. So that's a concern this past week. I mean, it's pretty interesting. Like he has an dot right now of 6.6, uh, 23% of the air yards, despite running a route on less than 40% of dropbacks. So big part of the offense, even though he's not on the field all that much, obviously he's going to be on the field a lot more now. So, like, when you mentioned before about how, you know, zero running back is going to work because these backup wide receivers aren't going to come in and produce right away, I don't know that I would use him specifically as an example because I think maybe he would be one of the guys who 
like with him and Judy and Fant, they can probably keep that offense still being pretty good depending on what's going to happen here with Drew Locke's injury. Uh, I don't know if anyone can keep dress, Jeff Driscoll. Uh, although he's been better than Locke so far in, in a small sample, but I think that says more about how bad Locke was playing. There we go. Pete, tell people where to find your Patreon package. Yeah, I got, um, have my new <laughs> showdown thing. You got you to gotta strike while the iron's hot. <laughs> it's crazy how I've done so much fantasy content and I've just failed to monetize it in any way. So the second I get that screenshot, <laughs> dude, I've been getting so many followers that their bio's like, DraftKings, I love showdown. <laughs> like, like, yeah. they're, they're getting, <laughs> I'm like, you're barking up the wrong tree, brother. Uh, yeah, ship we, we need you to pu- we need to We need you to publish your groups for Raiders Saints tonight. <laughs> I, I'm pretty skinny on my group, so I'll let, I'll just tease that. I'm I'm pretty skinny. Um, I mean, you you really let your hand building brothers down, dude. I don't know how you're gonna explain this I, to them. I'm actually having to do some PR uh, <laughs> around this because there are a lot of replies there saying like the hand build king, and I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> so no one no one let them know that you use the RG lineup builder for that. Okay, yeah. Okay. We're not. Um. We gotta. Hey, I'm I'm a hand builder uh, through and through. Listen to ship chasing every Wednesday night. We go live around 9:15 Eastern. I promise it won't be as much as a shit show, but maybe that's actually not what people want to hear. They love the shit show, Pete. They that was like I, I our best. <laughs> I know you I, hated it. But that's part of the fun. Well, let me let me ask why why did you guys call me last week? Just because you wanted like you needed takes or what? Or you wanted me to do the bids? No, we called you like five minutes before bids were about to process because we needed your input. I just texted you do whatever you want on Logan Thomas. I'm assuming that's what you wanted. Yeah, we did. We went pretty high, but we didn't get them. I think yeah. I was just mad and I was lashing out because uh, I kept imagining I was going to log into all these leagues and see bids were already placed and they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I you have you have my word that I will do the ship taking bids and I will do them promptly and you will have more than enough time to ponder and think about them. Well, I saw our, our buddy Eric Belair, who is a, who is a loyal fan. He had a comment on our live stream. He's like, this is really funny, but there's way too much money on the line to be doing it like this. <laughs> and I was like, you're right, Eric. You're right. Especially because, um, I mean, we all have really good teams in these events. Like I'm, I'm of my main event teams right now, we're five and one collectively and have not hit any of these injuries yet. So it's like kind of the point of like you should probably take it seriously because if like just starting four and zero, oh, I what I've noticed is that even if you're like one and three, people stop doing their bids. Like people get discouraged pretty quickly with the bids. So there's like some value and just there's huge value I think in starting off strong in these. Yeah, Pete and I were pretty psyched about our second main event team. We were uh, up on the leaderboards pretty good there for a bit, and then we just lost Sutton and uh, McCaffrey. So we'll have to see if we can survive, but yeah. Aaron Jones in the third, baby. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about why this team can survive. I mentioned the three rookie wide receivers and we have Nikhil Harry. And then a guy I, we haven't mentioned on this pod who I think could be like the ultimate league winner is Joshua Kelly. We have Joshua Kelly on this team. I mean, he's going to score more fantasy points than Eckler. I think he's, he looks awesome. He's, he's dominating goal line work and he's getting used to as a receiver. I think, Herbert, God, they need to play Herbert. That's just good for everybody. It's good he, for Eckler. It's he good for he will. Lynn, Lynn just said that after the game to respect the vet. We, we will never see Tyrod again. It will, it will be Herbert. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my right, thesis good. is like Joshua Kelly 
is what Melvin Gordon was in this offense last year, but he's better than Melvin. But he's Gordon. better. Yep. So that's that's gonna be a damn ex- he, That's like a fourth round pick, and you got him in the in the thirteenth or fourteenth. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, that's legit. By the way, I'm texting with my buddy who we co-own the the Kentucky team with. You guys got Mike Davis for a buck last week. You probably don't even know that. We did. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and we and get we, and we, Jones out of the lineup. And we just we just lost we just lost Saquon Barkley, which would be bad enough in its own. But in this league, you use the Fab to bid on your pick. So we paid four hundred dollars of our Fab to to get uh, I think like twelve Saquon Barkley carries. Oh my god! Yeah, I just put in Mike Davis. We have McKinnon on McKin- this team too. <laughs> Dude, our it's Kentucky up, team baby. is sick. <laughs> there we go uh so the winners of the kentucky state fantasy football championship main event pat crane and peter Overzet. uh everyone thank you for listening of course uh listen to ship ship chasing and uh, we'll be back soon build digital first customer relationships with salesforce digital 360 connect every marketing commerce and digital experience on a single platform Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.